Well, the time is finally here. It is April 16th of 2020, and this is your first official episode of the Friday Night Lights Fantasy Podcast. Let's go. I'm nice right now. I, I feel good. If you have a drink, would you please put it in the air? Hey everybody, it's your guy Tom here. And uh, this is it. This is what we talked about. This is the first episode for our league. Friday Night Lights Fantasy Football League. And you know what, I'm pretty excited to be here. A lot happened today. It was a pretty averagely quiet week, but a lot happened today. And I've been sitting here thinking how to get this thing going, how to get this thing started, and, and, and where to go with so... You know what, we're just gonna go we're just gonna go right into it with, with a couple of little notes that I've made throughout the week before we get into the real the real heavy stuff. A lot of a lot of stuff happened this week in the NFL. You got you know, Christian McCaffrey got paid, Mixon wants to hold out. You know, there's just a never ending circle of running back drama. So if you got a guy who's not on a contract year, who doesn't, you know, break the law, and you're pretty sure he's going to at least suit up for some games this year, hold on to him. Because the holdouts, the contract years, all that stuff, it's always a problem. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. So first thing... I really wanted to just mention the uniforms. So I knew that when Nike was being put in charge of the uniforms, I thought they're going to go full NBA on this and they're going to have everyone change their uniforms every couple of years. And if if this offseason is any indicator, oh, that's happening. That is definitely happening. So, a couple things to point out. The Colts, they changed their uniforms. Not a lot. Like, they added some black in their color palette. According to them. I don't see it, but according to them, they did. You know, they changed the number pattern. They added a somewhat controversial second logo. Because apparently some high school had it already. I didn't read up on it, but... That's what I... I quickly glanced over at Twitter. The Falcons uniforms are a joke. Like, I don't hate them the same way that everyone else hates them, but... It's like they didn't even try. I don't think they tried. You know, I know everyone wanted the... The old school red uniforms... You know, where the red helmet, the, the beige and black stripes, all that stuff. I wanted those too, but it's the NFL. Chances are you're not getting what you want. Did you learn that? You won't be as disappointed when you actually don't get what you want. But the, the all black with the... I don't know. I heard someone compare them to like the Texas Tech jerseys. They just they look like bad 
bad uniforms. Like they just don't look like they belong in the NFL. But they'll get they'll get ripped on enough. I'm not gonna sit on it. Who else? Who else changed their uniforms? Um I'll say the the Bucks going back to the pewter and red is a mint move. The the new jerseys were like a quote unquote bold, but they just they missed the mark. I get what they were trying to do. People made fun of the numbers. People made fun of the, the little dash of orange. I wanted them to... I'm probably one of the few people that wanted them to do... Like the the expansion creamsicle jerseys. I really like those. I think they're different. I think there's a reason that teams always go back to the retro uniforms. It's because people like them more. Like I know personally... If my favorite team had a real retros uniform, I'd probably dig it. Um, ex- except for like the the banana Steelers uniforms and like those bright blue and yellow Eagles ones. Those are the worst. But for the most part, I, I like the Bucks. I like that they kept the chrome on the helmet. Uh, they kept their their pirate ship logo a little bit bigger on the side. I like that. I like that carryover. Adds a little bit. But I love, I just want to say, I love the Browns uniforms. I've always loved the classic Cleveland Browns uniforms, like the ones that they went back to here. The only thing I'm super disappointed in is that in their hype video, in their Twitter hype video, they showed the old, you know, Tim Couch era or... um. Bernie Kosar, I can't believe I just put those two in in the same sentence. But the white helmet with the white face mask on the orange helmet with with the clean white and orange. Uh, amazing. They're amazing uniforms. And I wish they I wish they had just kept the white mask and I and I know that it's uh it's such a small detail. But that small detail Changes everything. Like the teams that have the white face mask, like the Colts, the Chiefs, uh, the Dolphins. There's something about it to me that just makes it cleaner. Maybe it's my my Madden playing and putting a visor on every player on my team. But just when I'm watching it, I like I like the white face mask. I don't know. I think that's the only thing missing. I think otherwise. You know, they crushed it. These teams crushed it, minus Atlanta. And I'm kind of excited to see who else, you know, retrofits their jerseys and and how they're going to try to appease everybody. Even though it's absolutely impossible. So, it's been a couple of weeks since our draft. And... Sorry about that. It's been a couple of weeks since our draft. And not a whole lot's happened. I mean, I did I did hold off on the waivers right away just because, you know, I still had a couple drafts to finish up. Uh, a lot going on. I think we all have a lot going on with, the, uh, with everything that's happening right now. But I did hold off on them. But when they opened... We did have some pickups. Some fab was spent. 
and uh, I'll just I'll just take a minute and go over it. So, a uh, couple of things, a couple of noticeable players. We had Travis Homer picked up for six fab by Billy against no bids. He's all in on on Travis Homer, and every league that that I've seen. So this is not surprising, not at all. Interesting to see how it plays. We had Drew Sample. He was picked up for 5-fab by Hendo, who beat out the opposing bid by, you guessed it, 5 bucks. But he got his guy, Drew Sample. If I'm not mistaken, was a second-round pick of the Bengals. Don't quote me on that. Didn't research it. Could could be good with Eifert gone in Jacksonville. I mean, you could at least see snaps. And at the at the tight end position, we'll take him. I don't know why this seems really dumb with some of the news uh, that kind of happened right before I started recording this. But I picked up Mike Boone for five bucks, trying to protect an investment. Yeah, bid against myself. Somebody dropped, and I was like, mm, "You know what? That's probably a good good pickup right there." In hindsight, not so much. But uh, maybe Madison and Cook go down. And it's Boone season. We'll talk about that other stuff. Uh, later, we had some zero bids this week. Russell Gage got picked up by Coombs. Yeah, DeAndre Washington could be a sneaky steal for Tomley if he gets some reps in the offense. Uh, I know Tomley picked up Jalen Rashard to replace Geronimo, Al- uh, Geronimo Allison, which, whatever, big deal. And Gronk makes... The ever-triumphant return to fantasy football. as And, and I'm sorry if I pronounce this wrong, but DeBerdox. DeBerdox. I think I got that right that time. He, he makes this come true and is really hoping that Gronk puts on 75 to 80 pounds, gets back in playing shape, and joins Brady in Tampa. Just... Hoping. I mean, hey, at this time of the year, who? why not? You know. So that's it. I think that's all the waivers, unless I missed something. And if I did, let me know. Feel free. And um, I'll definitely try to include it on the next one. So moving on, the one thing I'm not going to do is I'm for sure not going over every trade from the draft. We would be here for so long, and nobody wants me to sit here and stare at this wall for two hours and try, even remotely come close to try, to break down all the trades everyone made. It would be bananas. But what I will go through is some of the... I'll go through all the trades that happened after the draft. There were a couple, and then there are a couple done today. So I'll do my best to go over them. I'm not going to sit here and and trash anybody, unless it's Brad, because, you know, we know how I feel about him. And <laughs> I couldn't help it. So not really, Brad. I love you. So I'm going to go over just the ones that had happened afterwards and just quickly go over it. There's going to be lots of time between now and the start of the year. 
to to spend ripping on them. So the first trade was made by Tomley right after the draft, and I wasn't surprised because I know he was waiting to do it. And I have that. Sorry, I should be a little bit more prepared here, I guess. <laughs> so the first trade we had uh, was with Stolp. Sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. But Stolp picks up Aaron Rodgers. Now I'll say this is the deal I like the least. Uh, this is the deal I like the least. Uh, and I'll tell you why. So Aaron Rodgers... Great name at the quarterback spot. He is getting older. His stats are declining. He can he can torch a bad defense, but they like I think Aaron Jones is kind of that offense now. But I'm a believer in getting your guy, so Stolp goes out and and gets his guy in Aaron Rodgers. What he gave up though uh, was Big Ben, another aging quarterback, but coming off injury. The 108 rookie pick and the 208 rookie pick. That's steep to swap old quarterbacks, in my opinion. Granted, you don't know what you're getting in Big Ben. But personally, I'd probably keep the 108 and and take a chance on one of the rookies. I get there's there's like there's people that are on like the I don't want to touch a rookie, I'll take the guy, and there's people on the other end, like I'll take the rookie. But this one just just seems like a lateral move, like you're giving up stuff for a lateral move. So, I think he has a plan, and very excited to see what the plan is. And I think maybe everyone forgot about this trade because it had been a while, but it happened. It's here, and uh, that's what it is. So it's Rogers for Big Ben, the 108, and the 208. I'll also quickly side point out that I did, I did put together. Like uh, the the rookie draft and the order, I've updated it. I'll let everyone know I didn't do the second round and beyond because you guys are animals, and there's just too many draft picks all over the place. So I did the first round. I got it updated, and uh, we'll handle we'll handle the other rounds on another another episode. Okay. So the next deal up. Tomley again, not a surprise. You know, in every league I'm in with Tomley, he pretty much rivals me for most moves made in a short period of time. So in this one, this one I like um, quite a bit actually for both teams. I think it fits needs. So we have uh, Cobb here, and you know what, I'm not going to use first and last names as we're putting this out there and people are creepy and weird and I'm going to try to avoid it except for Brad I'll be giving out his phone number address all the above people can just spam him I'd, I'd love that so so we got Cobb who trades away Hollywood Brown and people are like kind of confused by this I think his people's view of Hollywood is that he's going to be like this elite wide receiver next year, which he could be. But like if you looked at Cobb's depth, 
was like his fifth or fourth wide receiver, I think, when I got the message about this. So it actually works like it makes sense. So Jacob moves away Hollywood Brown to Tomley, and Cobb actually picks up uh, Mike Gesecki, the tight end in Miami, who I found out today Cobb has a lot of shares in. So let's go Fitz. And he gets the the 208 from Stolp that Tomley had picked up in the Rodgers deal. So he gets some capital. He gets his young tight end. And, and he moves his wide receiver five. Take out the name. And if someone said like, hey, I got a wide receiver five. You need a wide out. Let's do the swap. You're probably doing that every time. So good on the two of them for finding something that works. I don't really got a lot to say about it. Go Ravens. You know. And the last one that happened before this week, like to catch everyone up, it is... It is... Uh, Lions 2084. And... Uh, Stolp. Stolp gets in on another one. Like, Stolp gets in on another one here. And he kind of recoups some of his picks from the Rodgers deal. So, I know I said that he probably has a plan. Well, I'm kind of seeing it. I don't totally agree with it. But I see it. I'm starting to see it put together. So he gets uh, the Lions 210. And a 2021 20, second. And the Lions get Christian Kirk. You know what? Saying Lions is going to confuse the heck out of me. I'm just going to go Andrew receives Christian Kirk, who lost a lot of his, his fantasy value as soon as the Cardinals went and got Hopkins, in my opinion. And. It'll be interesting to see how they use Kirk. Like, he'll still get targets. They throw the ball a ton. And I know people are expecting them to take the... I guess the Baltimore leap on offense. Like, that real, that next step. Dynamic quarterback. Got him a receiver. They'll probably draft another one, etc., etc. So his value could be there, and for a couple seconds, it's like, why not? You know, it's a, I'm not mistaken, that was the two, yeah, it's the 210. So at 210, you're looking at, you know, a receiver that might, it could be, you know, the next Terry McLaurin, or it could be the next Isabella, who's on the Cardinals. So... He's a perfect example of the risk you take with the second round wideout. So you get a guy like Kirk who's had blow-up games. If something did happen to Hopkins, you know, he'd step in. He'd probably do really well, too. So slight edge maybe, I guess, goes to Andrew because... Because what can you do? I mean, it's a couple seconds for a 23-year-old wideout and a good offense. I'd take that for sure. Not a whole lot to say there. So... Like I said, there was some stuff that happened today. And it kind of involves me, so uh, I guess I'm the, the best guy to break it down. I know there's been some very strong opinions of the one deal 
and I'm happy to get into that uh, for everyone. So the first deal, it, it you know, this was kind of a week in the making. Um, me and B-dubs have been, have been going at this for, for quite a while, trying to find the pieces that work, uh, for the both of us in a way that makes sense. And like I said, the opinions are kind of all over the place. Like I've gotten a couple messages personally. There's some stuff in the chat kind of asking me like, oh man, you know, how'd that happen? Like what went down, you know? all that jazz and it's pretty simple it was you know just finding what someone else was looking for and and matching it up so well uh, we'll get into it i'm not gonna lie i'm i'm stalling to pull it up there's so much stuff happening right now but we'll just go over it this way so b-dub picks up uh kenny stills my 2021st the 109, that's the 109 pick. He gets the 209 pick. He gets my 2021 second, a 2022 second, a 2021 first. That's actually Billy's. I got that in the draft. Again, not going to go over that, but I picked it up in the vet draft. So it's a boatload of picks. He gets big time capital. So on the return on my end, I'm getting OBJ coming off a horrific year. An injury, he might get traded. You got Reggie Bonifon, who is kind of a throw-in. Um, I'm sure Carolina's drafting a running back, but for now, I'll take the backup. Kind of works that way. And I got Terry McLaurin, who I really fought for in this deal. He's the one that held it up for a week. Honestly, because... I wanted him in the draft. I knew I wasn't going to get him. So I floated the idea of a of a draft and trade. Half of it happened right away. The other half, we kind of went back and forth. So lots of hours actually went into this deal. Lots of hours. Which, as I say that out loud, is super, super ridiculous. But that's the kind of life we're here for. I'm sitting here talking into a mic looking at a wall because of this stuff so i guess nothing's really out of the out of the range of outcomes of weirdness when it comes to this fantasy foosball so like i said people kind of got heated maybe not heated but i just want to do a, a quick reminder that there is going to be chops busted so buckle in we're all kind of loudmouths, so uh, just just keep that in mind. So after a couple hours, things were pretty quiet, pretty quiet, and then I got this idea. I had a, I'll, I'll tell you how this other deal kind of happened on my end before I break it. So I did have another deal for the second first round pick that I had in this rookie draft. Uh, that I, again, picked up in the vet draft, much like uh, the 2021 first. And it kind of fell through after about another week of me trying to make it. So I was pretty bummed about it, but this idea here kind of got floated around, and 
I thought about it, thought about it, and once a couple pieces fell in, surprisingly, this massive deal only took about 20 minutes total of real negotiating to figure out. And from experience, my own, I guess my experience, anyway, I can't really speak for other people, but after like having six hour negotiations, a 20 minute big deal blockbuster after a couple weeks of the draft in a startup, 20 minutes is nothing. It's smooth. It felt easy. I don't think any side really felt like they were going to have a stroke trying to actually think I was the most hesitant one of the group, believe it or not, which is why the second part of that trade happened, which again, I'll break down. So the next trade uh, that I'm going to talk about was between myself, Cobb, and Tomley, and it is a big one. There's lots of moving parts. I'm not going to sit here and break down why those guys were doing what they were doing. It on We honestly didn't even get to that point in the conversation. It was just, hey, I got this thing. What do you need to make this happen? I said, hey, this is, this is what I'm willing to move. I'm willing to move this, this, and this. But I would feel better if I got that and that too. And bang, deal done. Like it was honestly on my end, it was that fast. So the the big deal, we'll go over the big deal. Uh, I am receiving Tyree Kill and Nick Chubb in this deal, which I'm not super big on Nick Chubb. I'm not. I've said it to multiple people, but when you have the opportunity to pick up Tyree Kill, who personally I've said this to many people, I think he has the best shot to be the wide receiver one this year, so I am scooping him up at every opportunity presented. I'm just I'm just hitting accept because I'm all in on him. I don't really do that that often, but when I call my shot in my head, I can't get away from it. And here we are again as as more proof of that as I smash accept and pick him up again, but. Like I said, it's Tyree Kill and Nick Chubb uh, in this deal to uh, really solidify my wide receivers. So I'm giving up my 2021 first and Billy's 2020 first, which was pick 107. So on the second of the three parties here, uh, Cobb is picking up Dalvin Cook, Devontae Parker, and Brandon Cook. So he's getting the stud running back he's been looking for. That's another me guy. He loves him some Dalvin. So I get it. Two receivers that are, in my opinion, risky. Uh, Cooks because he can't seem to stay in the field. Uh, I know there's been talk about that. He's injury prone. Well, he's not. He's had that many concussions or from a guy that's had plenty. It is really hard to overcome that at my level of athletics, let alone his. So interesting to see after he got traded again what he can do. And Devontae Parker, really good. Do you trust the fifth-year breakout? Do you not? But getting Dalvin Cook and giving up what he gave up, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. So on Tomley's end, like I said, he gets my 2021 first. The 107 this year, he gets a 20-23rd, and he gets Cobb's 
2021st. I don't remember which pick that is, and I am not looking it up. We'll go over that later. So that's it. That's the deal. You got Cooks, Parker, Chubb, Cook, Tyreek, and Cooks. So there's no confusion uh, in, in those deals. And a boatload of picks, like I said. So lots of pieces moving. I think it helps every team and gives each t- each guy like a vision, like what they wanted to do. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they build from there. Now on my and Cobb's end, there was a second part of this trade. Which is like, oh my god, why did you need to do that? Because I didn't want Geis as my RB2. Like, I didn't want to roll in. He stubs his toe on the bathtub, hits the ground, his ACL's gone again, career over. You're like, well, there goes my RB2. Don't have a draft pick, dumb dumb. So I was like, I'd feel a lot better if I could get another running back. Obviously, the running back market's tough to crack. Because if, if someone's got one, they just want to hold on to them and smother them. But picking up Raheem Mostert makes me feel really good about my three options for my RB2. Which is White, Geis, and Mostert. So if anyone's wondering why, that's why. I gave up Tate and a third to Cobb to get Mostert. Who will be a nightmare watching tell uh Tevin Coleman steal touchdowns again, but that's the life we're signing up for when you when you dip into the San Fran backfield, I guess. So that'll wrap it up for the trades this week anyway. Now that some action is kinda kicked in, I'm sure that there'll be more trades and more deals and more stuff to come for everybody. And I think I think now a market's kind of being laid out so people kind of know what value is what. No way we're all going to agree. Overall, good moves, everyone. You know, real solid, real smooth uh, start to the, to the league here, to the Friday Night Lights League. So... Since we're done talking about the trades, I guess as promised, I'm just going to go over the the first round draft order, and I'm 95% sure I have this right. But again, there was so much stuff happening uh, with draft picks and being traded. Uh, Today didn't help any. That I'm I'm pretty sure that this is correct. So, just going to quickly go over it at the 101 We've got Matty. He's at the 101. Tom Lee is picking at the 102. We've got Brad at 103. DeBaradox at 104. Coombs at 105. Kind of surprising because I figured he would have been the first one to jump in on the pick. But uh, We've got 106, originally Cobb, now Tom Lee. 107 originally Billy, now Tomley. 108 originally Stolp, you guessed it, now Tomley. 109 supposed to be yours truly, that's now Barry. 
Andrew was be at one at ten. That's now Billy's. D Jameson DJ was at one eleven. That now goes over to Andrew, and Barry's cleaning up at one twelve to end the first round of this year's rookie draft. I hope you guys caught that, because that was a nightmare to track down. You're welcome. Another thing people really asked me for, and I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, because somebody always, and I mean always, gets offended at this, and it's usually Brad, because he's been last a few times. Not this year. Not this year. Don't freak out. Yet. So, our way too early power rankings. And I mean way too early. I also had this typed out on like Wednesday. So yesterday. And with everything happening today, things did change. I just want to point out before today I had myself at 10th. I want to say that now so people don't come at me. I also want to mention this is not for dynasty. This is not your overall dynasty ranking i have it for what's on your roster right now i don't care about your draft picks who you're gonna get which rookie you say is gonna be the next guy don't care he's not there yet he's not here he's at home hopefully staying indoors i'm not counting him the the dms will be open for you guys to complain about but why am I only here? This is why. Nothing's happened yet. So this is what we're getting. At number one, we're going to go Billy. Number one on the initial power rankings. And I'll tell you why. Having a top five quarterback in Dak, whether you like him or not, Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs is ridiculous. He's got two young running backs going to be really good. He's got himself A.J. Brown, Chark, Fant, his team from top to bottom in his, in his starting lineup and on his bench is just solid. So he's there. He's at number one. I'm also not going to kill this to death, so I'm going to try to do it quick. At number two. I got Stolp here at two. I didn't like the Rodgers trade, but this is for 2020. So for 2020, his team looks really, really good as long as the Chargers get themselves a quarterback. Because I don't think Tyrod's the guy. But with Rodgers, Barkley, Henry, Julio, Keenan, and Hooper, like that's, that's pretty good out of a startup. So... We're going to have uh, Stolp at three. At, at, sorry, I'm an idiot. I can't count. Two. At three, we're going to have uh, Jameson. And Jameson's here because his wide receivers are really good. And he's still got some running backs. So I like Goff. I have Eckler. Hopkins, people are higher on him than I am. But you can't deny he's he's going to be good on an emerging offense. Got Chris Godwin, Dallas Goddard, Cooper Cup, Robert. If you want volume, 
this is the team. If you just want volume, like the floor is so good here, it's hard not to have him up this high. So we're going to have uh, Jameson here at three. At number four, moving up from the previously mentioned 10th spot is yours truly. I added three big name guys to the roster and when someone does that in a day they got to move up some spots obviously i feel good about it or else i wouldn't have done those moves but with kyler murray nick chubb dj moore tyree kill odell beckham and mark andrews i feel great about my core players my bench i'm not even gonna get into it because it's kind of terrible come on guys his knee but you add some stars, you move on up. At five, I have Cobb. Cobb helped his depth. He secured his second running back, just in case Drake isn't what we think he's going to be. And he's still got A-Rob as his wide receiver one. You can't go wrong there. Like, you really can't. Say what you want about his quarterback, Stafford, and... And Wentz, I'm not a Wentz guy. I'm not a Stafford guy. I think both guys could sneeze and blow their backs out. Be done for the year. But that's that's everybody. I'm not. I always say like, oh, I don't really, I don't really uh, put injuries into account. I can't really sit here and be like, no, he's gonna get injured. So for 2020, I'm gonna have Cobb's team here at five, and um, go from there. So. I make fun of Brad a lot, but his team right now, I have him sitting at 6. He had a very interesting strategy coming out of the draft. And I know he had talked to me about it, not only as it was happening, but after. And it took me a little bit to figure it out, but I get the strategy. I have Brad at 6 because he's got talent. Now whether or not that talent spikes and is the big ceiling he's going to need... But with Daniel Jones, who had a, a good rookie year for that team anyway, he's got Zeke, Stephon Diggs, could end up being a wide receiver one. We don't really know. We'll see how it goes in Buffalo. Worked out pretty good for John Brown. But he has the duo tight ends in Kittle and Kelsey. I did this in a startup last year. And it worked out well for me because I moved those tight ends. I'm not sure if Brad's going to do the same thing here, but he's got the opportunity. He's got the opportunity to have two top players in a position where it's really hard to have one. He's got the top two guys. At least the top two guys from the last couple years. So, bold strategy, Cotton, but we're going to see how it plays out. And number seven, number seven's a, this is kind of where all these teams kind of bunch together for me. Just when I went through and I, and I mean quickly, I skimmed through them. And I was like, well, I like this one. I don't like that one. But they're all, like I said, they're all kind of like right in that same bunch. So again, nothing's happened yet. So we're going to put Coombs here at, at seven. We got Mahomes, Sanders, don't love Lindsay right now. 
uh, Kenny Galladay and Thielen, who's probably a bigger steal than people realize right now. You know, people forget how good he was two years ago. So I li- and, and I like Josh Allen. The, the Mahomes-Allen combo is really what did this for me, to, to put him up here above some others. There's a lot of potential there. Like, his quarterbacks are set. Just plug him in, play him, forget about it, do your thing, and you draft that. You draft your next guy at uh, at your rookie pick, which I think was 105. So at 8, we're going to have uh, Andrew. We're going to have we're gonna have Andrew here at, at 8, and it's mostly because... Of the quarterback situation and the depth situation. But obviously any team that has Christian McCaffrey on it has a chance to, to win it all. It's got a chance. You know, you got McCaffrey, Singletary, Cooper, Metcalf, and Waller. Great, again, great volume. Big ceiling for those guys. Doesn't quite have the, the lineup depth. As the people ahead of him yet. But that's probably where I'm going to go right now. So moving on, we got Barry at 9 with uh, Drew Locke, who I love this year. Super choked that he snagged him. Aaron Jones. Melvin Gordon, who who did get the money in Denver, but maybe... He's in a bit of a timeshare. Melvin Gordon is a running back, too. It's still pretty good. He's good. pretty good. Michael Thomas, record-breaking season. Don't need to say much. A.J. Green could bounce back. And Hunter Henry. You know, with Rivers gone, you don't know. But if he puts it together, Hunter Henry is going to be pretty damn good, people. So again, we got uh, Barry at nine. At ten, we're going to have Tomley. Now, Tomley moves down because he just traded his entire roster. But he still has Ingram, Mayfield, Watson. And I know I said I wasn't going to include the draft picks, but the guy's just got so many that I'm, I'm going to make an exception here. So at 10, we're going to have Tom Lee. I talk about more on his roster, but there's not a lot more to talk about. Like He's got Ridley and Brown in that starting lineup, which is nice. Uh, Ridley could take a big step forward. Put him around some other pieces that he hits on in the draft. He could move up the board, but for right now, I think Tom is going for the future. So, Tom Lee at. I say 9 or 10. I'm so dumb. Tom Lee at 10. Jeez Louise. Get your stuff together. So, at 11, we're going to have Maddie. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Maddie made a little mistake in the vet draft. He took two kicker spots, which would represent two draft picks. 
that's a no-no. But, thanks to somebody else, because uh, your commissioner was not paying attention, uh, we did kind of rectify the situation, get him a couple extra vet picks, uh, supplement picks. But if you look down the roster, he actually recovered nicely with Mixon, Adams, Sutton, Hurst, Debo. You gotta love the playmaking ability of everyone on that group. Cohen could come in. He could maybe hopefully get back to being that PPR dream. I don't really like the Bears offense, but if you're going to hope for something, hope for that PPR spam. So it'll be Maddie at 11. And at 12, in the way too early... Power rankings at 12. DeBaradox is going to finish it off here. He's got Lamar, which is really weird sitting here and putting a team that has Lamar Jackson at 12. But just looking at the roster, the, the star power, the names are there. Like, the names are there, but I don't feel like the star power behind them is necessarily there anymore. I think there's a lot to prove here. I think if you look at DeBaradox's roster and went, and someone came up to him and was like, hey, did you know we finished, you know, first or second? You'd be like, oh, well, no, not really. You wouldn't be, like, you wouldn't be surprised. But if someone said, did you know DeBaradox finished, like, 10th? You'd be like, yeah, I could see it. And because it's way too early in the rankings, way too early in the seasons to probably be even doing one, somebody had to be 12. So unfortunately, the Bear Docks, we're going we're gonna to saddle you with that one. And uh, lots, lots of time. Lots of time to see some movers and shakers and get yourselves sorted out. So I think that'll do for all the moves and kind of league standings and information. If I mess something up, my bad. We'll get it figured out. It's a long way to go. I got a couple small extra little things that I have prepared here. So every week I'm going to try to to bring up a player that I don't think people really talk about anymore. And I think they should. There's so many guys that play in the NFL. They come and they go. They do well for two years and you forget about them. And it's easy to do that. Like the NFL average career is really short. And this, the number of people who sustain superstar success it's slim like Clinton Portis was an all pro back and within one or two years of him you know just dipping a little bit nobody talks about him anymore so right now I'm going to kind of not fully break down but kind of break down a player that I absolutely love so Without further ado, 
this week's player profile was one of my favorite players in the league. He was one of my favorite players in the league for a super long time. And he may not qualify as a superstar or an MVP or really anyone most people care about. But when I played ball, my favorite thing was returning the football. It's what I loved. It's what I did. It's what I was semi-kind of decent at. And it's definitely not easy. But it's something that's kind of taken away from the game right now. It's touchbacks and safety. and That's all well and good. But with that being the case, it's really easy to forget about how just nasty this guy was for his team he really was and in in one year in particular he was their whole team he was their offense you know he was he was a just a weapon he was there he's one of the most dynamic guys in the league that nobody friggin talks about and i think it's time we we put that uh to a rest so I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the guy that talks about him. And it's Josh Cribbs. Josh Cribbs of the Cleveland Browns. You heard it here. We're going to talk about a Cleveland Brown. And we're going to talk about a Cleveland Brown who was really exciting to watch for a long time. Now, if you don't know, Josh Cribbs is actually an option quarterback. He was a quarterback in college. And the Browns got him as an undrafted free agent. They were really hoping that they could, you know, use him and and find a way to to utilize his very particular skill set, which was running super fast and being Super friggin' hard to tackle. You couldn't tackle the guy. You could try. Chances are, wasn't going to happen. The reason Josh Cribbs was such a weapon, in my opinion, was not just his speed, but being really impossible to tackle. Like, watching after this, maybe even during, just... Go and type in Josh Cribbs returns. Like he had, he had ten thousand return yards. Like, not ten thousand combined yards, ten thousand kickoff return yards in eight years in Cleveland. That's bananas. If somebody did that as a receiver or running back, be like that guy. He's going to the Hall of Fame. But no one talks about Josh Cribbs for the Hall of Fame. And it's kind of crazy to me. People talk about Devin Hester going. And I get it. Hester had all the touchdowns. Had like, I think he had 15 or 16 total return touchdowns. Cribbs doesn't come close to that. I guess kind of. He has 11. He has 11 touchdowns, so maybe. But he had 10,000 yards in 8 years. Now he played 1 year in Indy. 
and one year in New York. They weren't full like they weren't uh, full seasons on those teams. He played six games in each of those years, and he still had he still had six hundred and eight yards in six games with the Colts. He had four hundred ninety more yards in two thousand thirteen in six games with the Jets. Like he's still averaging 24, 32 yards of return at the end of his career. He like he was still getting it done. But the one year in particular was 2007. Now in 2007 he was selected uh to the Pro Bowl. It was his first year in the Pro Bowl. 2009 he was an All-Pro. It should have happened in 2007, but the NFL is always super late with that kind of stuff, and I'm pretty sure 2007 was Hester's big blow-up year. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that's that's who got the All-Pro returner spot. But in 2007, he had 1,809 return yards on the kickoff return. On punt return, he added 405 friggin' yards. That's... That's over 2,000 yards returning a football. You will not see that again. You won't see it again. He had two touchdowns on the kickoff return, and he added another on the punt return. You won't see it again. I'm telling you now, it'll never happen. It's amazing, and it's not talked about. He single-handedly put the Browns in position to win games over and over and over and over again. He's one of my favorite players of all time. So that's that's our guy this week. It's going to be Josh Cribbs. For that guy, we just don't talk about anymore. So as we're just about getting ready to kind of be done, listen to me sit here and talk to a wall. Got one more piece that I want to share with everybody. And I'm super looking forward to this. This was one of the inspirations to doing the show in the first place. And it's it's something that I like to call the horrifically bad trade in history. I care desperately about what I do. Do I know what product I'm selling? No. Do I know what I'm doing today? No. But I'm here, and I'm going to give it my best shot. I cannot express how happy I am to finally get to talk about this. This trade has blown my mind for so freaking long. And I'm, like, I'm just giddy. I'm giddy at the thought of getting to talk about how overwhelmingly bad this deal is. This is the Cincinnati Bengals trading former number one overall draft pick Carson Palmer to the Oakland Raiders. So to understand the trade, you got to first understand the details. So the Bengals finished... 4-12 in 2010, and they drafted Andy Dalton and A.J. Green, two guys that you should definitely know of by now. They chose to sack Carson Palmer, which took balls to sit your number one guy. 
but they did, and they started the season four and two, feeling really good about themselves and how things are turning out with their their two rookies who are off to just a banging start. So they shipped them off, and they got a 2012 first round draft pick and a conditional 2013 second round draft pick. That condition being. Uh, if the Raiders won a playoff game, which they didn't, that pick would uh, become a first. There was no chance there. They were going to win a playoff game. It's the Raiders. So the Bengals decided, well, we have this these draft picks. What are we going to spend them on? Well, they turned the first-round draft pick into Dre Kirkpatrick, who was reasonably good. He was, like, reasonably good, kind of mediocre for a couple of years, but ended up being a solid NFL starter. He went 17th overall, which I totally forgot about. I completely forgot he went that high in the draft. You, I don't know if you'd call him a bust. Like, he played a long time. He wasn't a complete liability all the time. I think you'd call him a bust. I think he was a very meh. He was a very Bengals pick. Very Bengals pick. But he did play in 99 games. He started in 67. Is still currently playing. He had 10 interceptions, 3 sacks, a forced fumble, 2 recovered. He had 302 combined tackles. He scored 2 touchdowns. But was released recently, actually. It was uh, March 31st of 2020. So not bad. Not a bad turnout for, for trading your, essentially, your backup quarterback. Got some g- good production, even though it's the it's the Bengals. He was, they weren't going to draft the guy. So it's Drake or Patrick was the first-round pick. And with that second-round pick the next year, a uh, running back who actually had fantasy relevance for a few years was Giovanni Bernard. Yes, second round. Giovanni Bernard, he was 37th overall. He also played in 99 games. Couldn't find how many he started. Don't know if he did. It doesn't show up. So, I'm going to I'm going to say he didn't. He didn't start a game. But he played in 99 games. Uh, He's rushed it uh, 797 times for 3,381 yards. That's, you know, it's pretty respectable. It's okay. Second-round pick of the Bengals. Backup role. Never really the guy. Uh, He has scored 19 touchdowns, which that's that's not bad. Like, scoring 19 touchdowns takes effort. Like It takes some skill, some luck. And just some some pure drive. So good on him. Obviously still more time to uh, to add to that. He had a 295 receptions, which I didn't know until I, I really looked into it. 295 receptions as a backup in a mostly bad offense is not bad. So 2,500 more yards and 8 more touchdowns. It's not great, but it's you know it's a second round pick. It's not 
it's not like they're like, well, we're going to we got this extra pick and we're going to make it a first and, you know, it, like, it, they didn't draft him to be the guy. They, they drafted him for some insurance. I remember that pick and no one blew the doors off for Giovanni Bernard, but they were like, yeah, you know, it's, it's good NFLer, as you know, slick out of the backfield. It's going to help develop. So again, like the, the trade worked out for the Bengals, in my opinion. Bernard did sign a two-year, $10.3 million extension in 2019. So he is slated to be on the roster behind uh, Joe Mixon. Or Mixon holds out and Bernard, you know, breaks out. We're going to have a, a nine, nine, eighth or ninth year breakout coming here, folks. So my favorite part... I can't believe this, so... <laughs> the Raiders the Raiders not far off from the Jamarcus Russell led Raiders I I can't even believe this so like I said they traded their a first round pick and a conditional second round pick to get Carson Palmer Carson Palmer was traded for because the Raiders somehow Started out, you guessed it, 4-2. and two. Like, they were actually on track. And I couldn't believe this when I saw it, but their starting quarterback at the time was Jason Campbell. Who they traded. They traded for Jason Campbell. They traded another draft pick in that year's draft to get Jason Campbell... To be the starter over... Come on. Think about it. Think about it. Yeah, that's the name. Kyle Bowler. Kyle freaking Bowler. Like, this story is just so crazy. It's so crazy. But unfortunately for the Raiders, Jason Campbell broke his collarbone. Done for the year. They're like, ah, we're 4-2. and two. What do we do? Well, let's go get that Carson Palmer guy. Well, didn't really work out for him. They started four and four and two, like I said, and uh, they finished the year eight and eight. <laughs> like you started four and two, you traded the capital, and you got back a five hundred record, and you missed the friggin' playoffs. Like what a joke. So they, they wasted a first, a fourth, and a second on their quarterback situation. Like, they just, they're just like, nope, I don't remember Jamarcus Russell. Nope. You know, that didn't set us back at all. Like, it just, it's so sad, but it's so funny. Like, it's, it's really sad. Palmer, uh, statistically, Threw for 2,753 yards at a whopping 8.4 yard average. But he threw only 13 touchdowns and managed to have 16 interceptions. He was picked almost as many times as he got dropped. He took 17 sacks. That's only in 328 attempts. He had 16 picks and was sacked 17 times. That is not good. That's not good. That's horrific. 
Like, and I, and I really wish, like, when I sat back, I was like, you know what? This probably worked out the next year, though. This is probably one of those things where they're like, new quarterback, new coach, new system. It didn't get comfortable. Too much pressure. We'll get him worked in. Going to be a good offseason. They need to improve the offensive line. All that stuff. They probably went in and thought, nope. Nope. Absolutely not. The next year. Like, statistically, he wasn't terrible the year after. Um, but he got the coach fired. He got the coach fired. Like, they, the next year, they finished 4-12. and So they give up all that capital. They finished 4-12. and The coach is fired. I think it was actually... Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they fired him three or four weeks into the season. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it written down, but I think it's Dennis Allen. This is, I think this is the Dennis Allen Raiders, which, woof, just terrible. But this is what started it. You, you know, can't blame him for cleaning up this kind of crap pile. So Carson Palmer started for the Raiders that year. They went 4-12. and Palmer threw for 4,018 yards. He put up 22 touchdowns against a ridiculous 17 interceptions. Again, just just mindlessly brutal touchdown-to-pick ratio. Granted, he didn't really have a lot of help, but that's besides the point. That's not going to make excuses for anybody. You know, he completed 61% of his passes, and it just it was just meh. It was just a bunch of meh. Bunch of Raider malarkey. Meh. And it was gross. It was gross to watch. He didn't care. Like, I remember watching that thinking, like, I don't think he cares. And you just throw a pick and you're just like, meh. You know, this stupid ginger haircut. And just, you just didn't care. I fe- That's how I felt anyway. Maybe I'm wrong. But, uh. God, it was bad. It was just really bad. It was so bad. So bad that in 2012, the Raiders went, see ya. They, at the end of the season, they pieced him out. He was gone. Take a hike. Get out of here. They traded him. They traded him to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, to be fair, when Bruce Arians got his hands on him, the picks didn't really go down, but he kind of revitalized his career. Like He had two or three good years there. He kind of Kurt Warnered it without the Super Bowl, um, but that's that's what Arians does. Like he's a, he's the quarterback whisperer, he's the guru, whatever. So it may not necessarily have been all on Palmer. It could have definitely just been like the Raiders being the Raiders. But for the most part, it seemed like Palmer was uh, just not meant to be a Raider. Like it doesn't like it doesn't work out for a lot of guys, and. It's just kind of where careers go to die. It's a horrifically bad trade. A first, a second, for a guy you just you just trade away. You just give up. We're done. Uh, so he gets traded to the Cardinals, signs an extension, and uh, and that was that. The horrific experiment of Carson Palmer to the Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. Just didn't work. It wasn't gonna work. Uh, and you know, 
I'm not sad that it didn't work out. Because I think they, they should have learned their lesson. They didn't. Uh, they 100,000% didn't learn their lesson. So they kept making bad trades later. But... That was, yeah, that was it. That's the horrifically bad, I can't believe this actually happened in real life, trade of the week. Um, side note, uh, the one game Palmer didn't start for the Raiders the year he was acquired is actually started by... Uh, this is just a personal dig, but Kyle Bowler started that game. The Raiders lost that game surprisingly... 28 to nothing. They got shut out. Kyle Bowler went a whopping 7 of 14 for 61 yards and three picks before being replaced by the newly acquired Carson Palmer. Like, he did that bad. Also, super hard to find a random game played in like 2011 obscurely with the Chiefs and and Raiders that had Kyle Bowler starting. It it was not super easy for a tech-stupid guy to find that. So that's my little bonus stat of the week because screw Kyle Bowler and what he did to the Ravens. Hate that guy. 28-0, 7-14, 61 yards, and three friggin' interceptions. Suck it, Kyle Bowler. So that was that. That was the horrifically bad, I can't believe, this trade happened i care desperately about what i do do i know what product i'm selling no do i know what i'm doing today no but i'm here and i'm gonna give it my best shot all right well that's it that's all folks that's all we got for this week first episode lots of stuff happening today got some stuff moving throughout the week lots more to look forward to draft coming up very excited for that we got Lots to talk about with the rookies. I know a lot of people really want to get into it. The debates are going to be plentiful. Let's try to to get as much conversation. Keep active. You know, just stay with it. Keep this league driving. Keep it focused. I'm going to do my best to keep bringing some stuff to you. Got a really interesting player, in my opinion, for the profile of the week. Got another horrifically bad trade in history. Just to help us keep reminding that us keyboard QBs aren't the only ones screwing things up for our teams. People get paid millions to screw it up. I'm looking forward to see Gettleman screw it up this year, personally. So like I said, that's it for me. Your commish. You know, keep your safety protocols to tip-top shape and form stay positive hang in there and always remember there's a fight going on out there gentlemen why don't you get in it clear eyes full hearts